Hey, what up, y'all? It's your girl, Vivica Fox. Welcome to Hustling with Vivica A. Fox. I'm your go-to girl for people, ideas, knowledge, inspiration, faith, love, truth, success, and of course, F-U-N. Your hustle's going to get an upgrade with the most surprising, exciting, and fabulous guests from all walks of life. You're in good hands, darling. Darlings, we are getting down to self-love and gratitude today with the beautiful and talented actress, Michelle Pryor. You've seen her on Fear of the Walking Dead, Passage, which was a spinoff of the popular series, The Walking Dead, and starring as Emma Hernandez in the leading role on the drama series, Vita on Stars. She is currently joining us from Budapest on the set of The Continental, a prequel story to the Keanu Reeves John Wick films. Please welcome to Hustling with Vivica A. Fox, Michelle. Hey, Michelle. Hi. Oh my God. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just over the moon. I mean, I'm I'm such a fan and Aww. I'm just look, look up to you so much as uh, I think growing up in Miami, uh, you know, we think of representation and, and women that have like kind of really gone there and done it. And you are that. So I'm, Aww. it's just really such an honor. Well, listen, I will take those flowers. Okay. Cause I feel like I <laughs> have earned them all. And you lately have. everyone's been charming me with flowers and I just love this stage of my career, but let's today is all about you and celebrating your career. First of all, 11.30, you're in Budapest. Thank you so much. I mean, it's late there. You were saying, oh my gosh, I haven't really caught up with the time thing. So you've been there for how long in Budapest? I've been here for a week. Mm, and yeah. I, I I gotta say, I, you know, I hadn't really watched a lot of the John Wick stuff when it was offered to me. And then I started watching it. Mm. And I was like, all right, all right. It's like this action. It's it's a real thing. And I think there was a part of me that didn't understand how much action and how intense it was. <laughs> I'm like, these guys oh, have me doing like flips, like front flips, like running around. I'm like shooting AK-47s. I'm just yes. like, who am I now? I love it. My kind of girl, a badass chick, you know? Yeah. And you got to embrace that because, you know, usually just think how far we've come as women that we're always like the damsel in distress waiting yeah. on the man to save us and now we're like i'm gonna ride that motorcycle do a flip off of it shoot your ass and then come and kick you you know <laughs> yes 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 so did you have to do martial arts training and all that for this no or did they just honestly, throw you in they're we're they're throwing us in like they're wow. hand, you know i mean obviously within safety but like they're handing us like these these like really, I mean, I haven't even gotten into the fight choreography yet, but, um, but it is, it's, it's a really fun universe to be a part of. And I think I, I didn't understand how expensive the universe was, um, mm. until I said yes, but I remember, you know, I, I booked Vida, I was on Fear the Walking Dead and, uh, the passage and, you know, I've done a few indie films in the last like year and it wasn't until I said the words John Wick mm. that my family was like, oh, OK, that's a big this is that's this a is big thing. And I was like, yeah. oh, OK, I guess this is a thing. <laughs> I love it. Well, let's take everyone back to where your journey began. Like you said, uh, you grew up in Miami. You know, what, what was that like? Tell us about you, your uh, childhood. You know, growing up in in Miami, 
like I think when you say Miami, people think the the bad boys Miami. You think of uh, the, what Michael Mann created as Miami, and I'm not gonna lie, like that was definitely a part of it. But I grew up in Hialeah, okay, uh, and which is a very very Latin part of Miami, and to me mm. is is a is 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 the heartbeat of Miami. Mm. So I remember, you know, I I I just. And I, I sometimes find it important to say that because I, like I said, I know what people think of, and it is a very real thing. I mean, I did go to South Beach, and that was all part of it. But mm-hmm. you know, in in a big part, a big part of my childhood. I mean, I was born in Hialeah Hospital, and you know, it's it was interesting being now, you know, with so much of um, our cultural texture of life really bringing up like what it means to be a person of color and immigrant into be the American experience mm. um realizing that also like the joke about Miami is the best part about Miami is that it's how close it is to the United States where oh. I grew up being the dominant culture like as a Latina my school was my high school was predominantly black and brown so there was never a moment oh. where I felt like I was like less than like, you know, so, so that's been an interesting thing now going into the, I mean, I definitely thought the rest of the United States was like Miami. It's nothing like Miami. Um, but, but now, you know, being an adult, like growing up and, and then looking around and being like, oh, wow, like this is, I'm grateful that I, I grew up being so, um, close and so proud of my culture as opposed to feeling like it was less than. Because you were, you are a second generation immigrant, right? Yeah. yeah, my mom immigrated from the Dominican Republic when she was five years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, you know, with my grandmother. And and it's interesting, too. I think, you know, us as women, you, you, you we have all these identities, right? You're like a woman of color, you're a Latina woman, a black woman, but you're also a woman. And then you're a daughter, but you're also a wife and you're a mother or all of these things. And we hold all of that within our bodies. Yes. And you know, with my mom, that was, or my family really, like that's been such an interesting thing to, to really take in being like, oh, I'm the child of an immigrant, which is Mm. different than being an immigrant. Absolutely. And, and, and really holding that close with what my, my, you know, my grandmother was escaping a very, uh, she's from Dominican Republic and Mm. she was escaping a very abusive relationship as um that she was in um in the 50s and you think about like what it what strength it takes for a woman yes. to like leave a mm-hmm. man with three kids okay. and go and be a single mother in New York City in like the early 60s like what does that take and and I I draw on that strength a lot you know when I think of um just you know, when I'm like, feel like I'm up against all odds or like, or like people are saying mean things on the internet. It's like my grandmother straight up, like left a man okay. who drew a gun on her and right. like with, th- with three kids and went to New York city. I'm like, I can deal with something mean on the internet. Right. That's <laughs> nothing. I mean, you're right. When you think about that, like, you know, what women went back to back in the days to raise children by their own, when women, you know, Words that wasn't getting equal pay, you know, was left abandoned, raising three mouths to feed. That was a lot of responsibility. 
Hey, all you true crime fans, this is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morphe. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. I want to talk about your name because uh, before we came on air, your beautiful mother, Chanel, named mm-hmm. you Michelle. And when we came on, you're like, it's okay. You can call me Michelle. And I was like, no, honey, <laughs> we are going to call you Michelle and tell them why, because it was from a Beatles song. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my mom named me off of the Beatles song, Michelle. And Michelle, it, my bell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and she would sing it to me, um, which, you know, is so darling and sweet. But yeah. And, you know, I also realized like Dominican women really have a knack at at a kind of always adding some flavor. Yeah. It's, it's a big funny. thing with the Caribbeans too, where you're just like, okay. But yeah, she named me after the song, Michelle My Bell, the Beatles song. And she wrote or like phonetically wrote out my name in the way that she thought it would sound like Michelle, Good. as opposed to in Spanish, also Michelle with the M-I-C-H is Michelle. And she hated that name. So she was mm-hmm. like, no, mm-hmm. yes, we're spelling it M-I-S-H-E-L. <laughs> and it was Michelle. Okay, so now song. And it was funny. The moment I said that, you you knew exactly the pronunciation. I latched on to that. So let me tell you why, sweetheart. Because growing up, I used to be ashamed or I wasn't comfortable with the name Vivica because growing up, people could never pronounce it right. They would say Vivica, Vivisha. They would say everything mm. but Vivica. And so growing up, I would use my nickname, Angie. I would make everybody feel comfortable. No, it's okay. Just call me Angie. So it wasn't until I got to Hollywood and I started acting and I went in for some auditions and a casting director went to say my name and I cut her off immediately. I said, no, just call me Angie. I mean, it's just better. And she goes, but Vivica's beautiful. And then your Mm -hmm. middle name is Anjanetta. Anjanetta, you can be known as Vivica A. Fox. So you see back then, like what our mothers gifted us with that we want to make other people feel comfortable takes away from that gift that your mother gave you. Mm-hmm. So you never let anyone call you Michelle. You are Michelle, <laughs> my bell. Okay. I love that. No, yeah. that's so beautiful. And I, I appreciate that because it's like, it is an interesting thing. I think it also leads into something that I now I'm trying to be very aware of where you're just like grateful to be in the room. You're like, no, 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 it's fine. I yes. don't want to disrupt anything. Yes. But yes. like somehow our presence and our ability to just empower ourselves is disruptive and that's okay. You have to kind of be okay with that and own let you do that. Mm-hmm. Own you. And your mother's name was Chanel. So it's I like, know. girl, you know, your mama, my mother, my mother's name was Evelina, which was different. You know, people are like, your mama's name is what? And I'm like, Evelina. But it's <laughs> unique. So the fact that your mother was Chanel and then she named you Michelle, I just think that like you're from a, a, a line of women 
that are strong and beautiful. And it's why you're now successful. And speaking yeah. of success, speaking of success, wait, because I'm going to take you forward because I don't want to get you sad just yet. Your first job, you got a Ford commercial, correct? <laughs> oh my God, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, listen, I know. I, I got a clear cell commercial, okay? You did. So I, you know, so I was proud about the <laughs> being on a Zit commercial. So at least you got a car commercial. <laughs> Oh, I was just going to say, at least you got the clear self because that felt like a, that and like, was it Nogzima? Like it felt like you wanted no, to like be the skincare it, girl. No, it was not <laughs> splashing the water on the face, that shit. No, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> it was like, don't let the zits catch you. You know what I mean? Just like, it, you know, we're running on Melrose Boulevard from a big giant zit. So it wasn't like washing on the face. No, get no, hell no. It wasn't that at all, girlfriend. No, it wasn't that at all. Okay. So tell us about your mom and you getting this Ford commercial and how she went and screaming to the moon and back about her baby being on a Ford commercial. Oh man. It's, it's funny. Cause I had actually done a, a bit of, you know, a few modeling jobs and then uh, a few little commercials, but that one was a specific one because it was Ford. Yeah. And it felt very American. <laughs> So my mom was so excited. And I think we, it also aired in Spanish. So it also aired oh, in, good. in uh, South America. And it was definitely a thing which I, I think of now as like such a beautiful, a beautiful moment, because I think a lot of people talk about how their parents aren't supportive of oh, yeah. them, you know, being in the industry or wanting to be an actor. And my mom really was was supportive of whatever it is that I wanted to do. And that made me happy. Even if she didn't know how, how to support me, she mm -hmm. was that. And with that, remember I'd go, uh, my mom was a, a hostess at a Margaritaville and I'd go and visit her at the Margaritaville and everybody would know about this Ford commercial that I booked. <laughs> and if we, I met somebody new, she'd be like, this is my daughter. She's on a Ford commercial. And I don't even understand how, but she had that thing cued onto her phone to pull out the phone and then play the Ford commercial. <laughs> and then I'd be sitting there being like, mom, this is what I do for Stop money. It. Like, it's not, I, I'm an actor, but I'm not trying to be like that. That type of actor you know like I'm trying to be like a film and tv actor but that Ford commercial was like and I remember it was like us reversing and the Ford car would like parallel park itself and we were like whoa this is cool and apparently I was really good at it so my mom was very proud of it oh now your mom I got another story that I think is just adorable your mother Chanel uh, yeah. She said that your aunt was in the fashion industry, but actually your mom oh. was a seamstress at the factory. I love it that she was big up in her. She was like, no, honey. No, no, no. She's in the fashion industry. Don't you get that twisted? Okay. I think totally that was like, I mean, it's 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 a really beautiful thing. I think that we do when we, and, and honestly, I think it is a point of survival, right? Yes. We, we editorialize things. We, we change things to be like, you know, my mom was like the ultimate PR lady, let's say yeah. that, where it was like, you know, it was uh, my grandmother actually came over. And when they immigrated, my mom was like, yeah, she came from Dominican Republic to work in the fashion industry. And it wasn't <laughs> until the last few years that I realized that I was like, oh, no, she was a seamstress in a factory in New yeah. York City. And like, yes, like technically it had to do with fashion, but it is, you know, and it, it is, it's like, 
you take, I think it's exactly what you're saying. It's that Ford commercial and it's the seamstress in the thing. All of it is true, but you just really up yourself and, and, and put yourself to the point that you feel like you should be. And that is exactly what we do for each other as a community. And as women, like we just like, yep, that's, that's, she's doing the best thing I've ever seen. And let me tell you that, because it also like gives you that, 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 kind of spreading of your energy so that you're able to bounce up to whatever the next version of that is. Yeah, honey, it's called fake it till you make it, honey. Believe yeah, in you. You're you going to be huge, honey. You okay? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so now let's talk about you moved from Florida to LA for a one-month mm-hmm. vacation. Then tell me what happened. Yeah, I mean, I feel like sometimes you think you think success is linear, right? You're like, and then I did this and everything changed. But really, so much of what changes within us comes from individual decisions. And some of those decisions move you forward and some of those decisions move you back. Mm. Um, so coming to L.A., I it was very irresponsible. I mean, I definitely like came here for what I thought was a one month vacation and then didn't like go Mm. back home. I just stayed and I definitely should have gone back home because I definitely had a roommate. Mm -hmm. I always think of my little toothbrush. It was just sitting there waiting for me to come (laughs) back and I just come back. So I Um, guess you're not going to have use for this anymore. Yeah. It's like, all right, fine. Whatever. So yeah, I was, it was, uh, but I, I just, I didn't understand it, but I was almost like, I knew I I couldn't go home Mm. and I didn't know what it meant. And it took me a few years after that to really understand, but it was more like, I just don't want to go home Mm. and home felt a bit like quicksand in a way. It felt like, you know, your home, a lot of us, I think that have grown up in Miami sometimes can feel the, the feeling of quicksand where you just like, you're stuck. I know you're in there yeah. and, and you're like, I, I don't want to go back to that. What I, this is hard. Yes. Whatever this is feels better than that. For me, it's like when I go home to Indianapolis, Indiana, where I'm from, I'm always grateful. And I love Indianapolis. Now I feel like mm-hmm. I'm downtown's finest. However, when I go there, it feels like twilight zone for me. And yeah. because some things just haven't changed. And I'm grateful to myself that I had the courage to leave. And whenever I do leave, I always look out the window and I raise up the uh, window and I look out and I'm like, thank you that I thank you, God, that I had the courage to leave here. So, you know, it's like, you knew something in, you knew your future wasn't there. And it's an interesting thing because, and I think I can hear it in your voice when, when you're speaking, it's like, I'm so grateful I'm from there. Mm -hmm. And I love going back. I love going back. Um, But I'm also grateful that I had the courage to leave. And even if I didn't understand why it was, it was following your heart song, wherever it was telling you and just kind of leaning your ear in the direction of where it was telling you. And sometimes it, like I said, it wasn't a responsible decision. Mm. I definitely did not have enough money to move out of Miami and move to like the LA, but I just kind of took, I, I, I think of it. Um, there's this, this concept of the lamp that looks out and you, all you can see is where you're going, like 
you know, in the future, but you take that lamp and you put it on your feet and all you know are what your next steps are. And that's really what it felt like because the future felt so like hazy and I didn't really understand it. But all I knew at that moment was taking that lamp and putting it on my feet and then figuring out what the next steps are. Going forward. Now, it took a little bit for you to embrace the acting industry. You were an agent and you had a true hustle moment, girlfriend. Tell me about that hustle moment that happened for you. I mean, this is probably the most hustle moment, uh, one of the most that I've experienced, which was I was I mean, it, it was interesting. I I had, you know, I was doing commercials. I was looking for agents and all met constantly. I'd heard well, we, were, we already have one ethnically ambiguous client. Yeah. Oh, so I, I don't hate know. that when they say that. And we already got like, one of you and you're like, wow, just one. Uh, okay. Just one. Yeah. 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 So it was definitely that. And then I finally found an agent that was like a good agent, good enough. And he was like, we'll give it, we'll give you a shot. Mm. We'll see how it works. And I was just like, if I was dating, would I like want to date somebody that was like, I'll give you a shot. I don't know. We'll see how it works. (laughs) I mean, let me tell you something. You just said something that women need to know that. That if someone's like, ah, I'll get with you, that you you do not need to be bothered with them at, at all. No. Right. So good. I like that. You had that from the beginning. Yeah. And it was it was a like I'd said it kind of as a joke, but it was really profound when I think back on it. Um, I, my manager, I had spoken to him and he was he was like, OK. And I was like, why don't we just take a moment and. And I said it as a joke. I said, I'm going to book my own show and then I'm going to have my pick of agents. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because nine months later, I did. And I remember them being surprised that I didn't have an agent at the time. But I just didn't want to sign with somebody if they weren't really excited about me. Say that. Say that. And that was that. And And I think as... We all have our insecurities. We all have our, you know, up days and our down days. But in the end, it's it's it, especially with the people that we associate ourselves. And then on top of it, working wise, I think that was like a I don't know where that came from, but it was definitely a very valuable shred of just humanity that I kind of stuck to, which is being like, I don't really want to mess with people that aren't like excited about me. I love you. You're my kind of girl. You are. You're speaking to me today because personally, I just kind of went through a little bit of a moment like that, that it's literally taken me. I'm a woman in my 50s, a proud woman in my 50s, and I am tired of of trying to make things work. Like you said, if someone isn't excited and giving me back that energy, women, it takes us a long time to really value ourselves. And so we need to make sure that we pass this message on to other women that with work and love and friendship, if someone isn't excited about you and lifting you up, you don't need them in your life. And the how the, the best thing you can do for anybody else is work on yourself. So yes. at any point, if I'm like, you know what, these people aren't really that excited, 
all right, what am I, what can I do so that I can come in to the, come in with like stuff to bring to the table that I feel really good and confident about. I'm not waiting for somebody to tell me that I'm worthy. I'm not waiting for somebody to give me the permission slip. I signed my own permission slip. And that is the most powerful place we can come from. That doesn't mean we stop working on ourselves. It's just, I'm working on myself so that I can be very clear with what I'm bringing to the table, whether that's a relationship, whether that's like a romantic relationship, whether that's a working relationship, being like, I know in working, the best thing I can do for you is work on myself. And I will do that. And, and that way you walk in knowing what you got, you got the goods. Like you're in, and Ideally, we're all always working and 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 growing, growing. and elevating. Yes. But yeah. but right now, like I'm showing up as the best version of me that I'm capable of, and I want people to be excited about that the way that I am. Now, speaking of relationships, during this time that you're going through the agency and embracing LA and embracing acting, you met a musician. You dated him for eight years. What did you learn from that relationship? Yeah, you know, I I think it's it's falling exactly into what we're talking about. I am so grateful to have met somebody that taught me so much, but it's the I think it's the difference between this but this and this and this. How you can feel all things. I'm very grateful for the experience that I had. And I'm also happy to to have grown from it. Mm. I learned, I grew up in that relationship. And I think sometimes we think of the end of a relationship as a failure, especially as a woman. I think that that's still the echoes of the times past where your value was in who you married and, and, and things like that. But there was a, there was an interesting thing. I, I, had a really great time. I was with him on tour mm-hmm. for so long and, and I got to experience stuff that I think most people don't, but there was definitely a moment where I really sat there and thought, what am I doing for myself? Mm, got lost and, in his world. Yeah. And, yeah. and it was a fun world and there was so much that was great about it, but you start kind of you know, the years start gathering behind you and you start and you get a little bit of life experience and you start then now looking down the tunnel of the rest of your life and you start thinking, what is, what is, what am I building for myself? And, and that was really wild because I had a lot of friends with, you know, I I had been doing commercials for a while and a little bit of modeling. And, and that was something that I think, people were like, what are you doing for yourself? Like, how are Mm. you setting yourself up to stand on your own two feet? And I didn't really think much of it until I I did. And there was this very specific moment where um, I, it's, it's interesting. I, I think life is, is everything, everything is leading you to where you're meant to be, even if it doesn't feel great at the moment. And I'd gone to a friend's wedding mm-hmm. and I, uh, we'd had a really good time. And and my boyfriend at the time, who's now an ex for good reason, uh, <laughs> <Happens>. um, 
No, and like I said, lots of great stuff, but honestly, very happy to have left that relationship behind. Uh, it's the type of relationship you have in, in your 20s when you're mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm still trying to figure this out. And then you figure it out and you're like, yeah, you know what? No, I'm good. Yeah, good. Um, but um, but he had he didn't want to come to this wedding with me. And I was really bummed and and kind of um, sad. And I ended up bringing my mom with me, which mm-hmm. was really amazing and really fun. And we got all dressed up and we had had a bit to drink. And, and there was a moment where I was like, oh, we should just get a hotel here. And uh, because that's where everybody was saying. And I took my card and I tried to get a hotel and it wouldn't go through. And it kept declining. And, and I just was like, oh, wow. Like, had I been here with my boyfriend at the time, who was a very well-off touring musician, I would have been able to, no problem, get a hotel room. But now that it was me, I, I couldn't do it. There was no money in the bank, hmm. in my bank account, at least. Um, and my mom and I ended up spending the night in, uh, in the car that <gasps> night. And we drove uh, not that far from this house that I had grown up in that had recently been foreclosed on. I want to say like maybe six months ago at that time. And we drove there, which uh, because we knew that was like a little safe parking lot. And I just remember waking up and being like, I will never let this happen again. The, The feeling that there was no money in my own bank account. Mm-hmm. Good girl. And that I had spent so much time helping this man, yes. supporting him emotionally, even though I couldn't financially, the emotional labor that we do a lot of times as women that in this society doesn't get valued for what it is. Yeah, that um, doesn't do deposits in the bank. Exactly. Okay. And, and then being like, yeah, like what am I doing for you know, my proverbial, but also physical bank account and looking at my mom sleeping next to me and being like, this isn't going to happen anymore. And I, it was, it was, I feel like, like I said, there was a lot of small decisions that were leading to that, but that I know I look at that and, and as much as bummed as I was that he didn't come to that wedding with me, Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, it led to the moment that created something for myself. That was and your that aha. was a blessing. That was your aha moment. Yes, girl. Yes. Yeah. Now, and and three years later, I was on on my own TV show. Yeah. So let's talk about that. You get an audition for Fear of the Walking <laughs> Dead, which you didn't even know you was up for the lead role. Okay, you no. get it, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're like, holy cow, I'm now starring in a TV show. I, you well, this up- was this was actually. Um, like it was the web series. So it, which was really cool because it was like one of those things where I had, it was a commercial audition and, and uh-huh. I had been trying to get agents. I'd been trying to get two lines, like mm. here's your coffee. <laughs> like, here you go. And that wasn't happening. And then off of this commercial, um, I ended up what I thought was a commercial ended up booking the web series, web series and it got nominated for um, a creative arts Emmy and how, and then even that, that was an interesting thing because that was one of the first years that they're like, Oh, they're giving out short form Emmys. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, and they're like, you know, you're, 
the, nominated. The, Series should no. Well, at that point, they're like it can be, oh. and I was like, oh, okay. So then I was uh, Kelsey Scott, who's we co-started it together, who is an incredible actress, and um, she was like, yeah, like this can this can get nominated, and I was like, oh, that's cool. So we both reached out to AMC, and we're like, hey, like, is there anything you need from us? Can we do anything or, you know, to kind of help like, you know, with promotion for possible nomination. And they're like, Oh no, we're not doing anything with that. Like whatever. And then I just remember getting like this little fire in my belly and being like, you're like, it just brushed us off like nothing. So straight up hustling girl. Um, I remember telling Kelsey being like, cause Kelsey is part of the Academy and she knew a bunch of members. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what if we throw our own Academy FYC event? And she was like, I don't know, like, let's do it. So we made invitations. We invited a bunch of people, a friend of mine owned this restaurant and I cooked, we invited a whole, I want to say it was like 40 some people. And because I love to cook. I cooked an entire five course dinner wow, for everybody. Girl. And we, we aired the, the, um, the episodes and sure enough, by the time the nominations came, we have been nominated. Oh my gosh. Now, wait, now you have another pivotal point where you get nominated um, and your girlfriend stepped oh, yeah. up when your boyfriend did not. What happened? All the more reason I I had um we got the nomination, which was really fun. And I uh AMC got a got us tickets, but my boyfriend at the time, uh X for a reason, let's mm-hmm. keep going back to that. Mm-hmm. Uh he um he was like, I wish he's like, Oh, I wish I could go with you. It's just it's just kind of expensive and you know, he had, he had six figures in the bank account. Like he was all right. Like he could have made it work, especially with how much I had been there for him. Exactly. It was his turn. Exactly. And he was like, Oh, it's just so expensive. And I was like, okay, no, I get it. I get it. I understand. And one of my girlfriends was like, you don't, you're not like from Hollywood. You're not like going to this like creative arts Emmys party or like event and or show and running into people, you know, you're like legit going to be alone. Like you need like a road dog. You need somebody that's going to be there with you. And she was like, I don't care if I have to sell a purse or put it on a credit card, like tell them I am, I'm going to get a ticket and I'm going to go with you. And she did. And she came with me and I remember being really sad because I were leading up to it being like, I wish my boyfriend had come, but he didn't. And, you know, feeling that, but once again, the blessings come in the way that they come. She had, she, her name is Jessie Hill. I gotta say her name. Yes, Jessie, we love you, girl. Really, like, really. And Jessie had just directed a music video that had starred one of the people from Stranger Things, uh, Dacre Montgomery. And we ran into him and at the Emmy parties or no, we ran into him at the, at the Emmy show and he invited us to the Netflix series show or uh, uh, Netflix after party. He had run into us at the Netflix after party. No, I'm saying this all wrong. He invited us to the Netflix after party. After party, yeah. 
Yes. And then, so we went, I mean, we kind of snuck in because Jesse also <laughs> really hit it up. I was like, we're not on the list. She's like, follow. She's like, just follow my lead. Whatever I, whatever you do, just walk <laughs> straight in. And she totally walked in like a publicist. Yes, like you own the room. Like, yes. Yeah. She's like, chin we're up. supposed she's to like, be here. Exactly. She's like, whatever you do, just walk in and do not make eye contact with anybody. I was like, okay, yeah. we did it, you know, and then, and sure enough, it got us into the party that we had been invited to. And I ran into uh, Carmen Cuba, who was casting director of Stranger Things mm. and had, uh, she's this incredible Latina casting director. And she had what just won the Emmy for Stranger Things. And I congratulated her and congratulated her on an incredible speech and the next day I got called for uh, another show she was casting, which was Viva. And it was to, you know, to play the, the love interest of the lead. Wow. And I tested for it, which was wild because that was my first even even yes. call back to the level of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, And by the end of it, I ended up, not booking the booking the love interest, but they recast the lead with me. Yes. And it was just it's 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 kind of it's like wild. a weird fairy tale yeah. story that you hear of, but you're like, oh wait, that really happens. Like, and it was know. my life, holy cow. But listen, and take- it goes to it goes exactly to what we're saying is that sometimes what feels like like sad is a blessing because had my ex-boyfriend come, we probably would have gone. Yeah. And he would have been like, I want nice to leave. Back home. Yeah, exactly. I want to leave. I want to go. You know right. what I mean? You were able to network and this and third, but you decided after that to leave him. Right. Yeah, it was, it, it, you know, it, it took a while. Like it was definitely, you know, God, girl relationships. I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure, as I'm sure, you know, it's not an easy, it's not an easy journey, but it was definitely a situation where, where, you know, it made sense and it makes so much more sense now than it even did then. Mm. But sometimes you, you, you raise the level in yourself and you raise that bar and someone's either going to reach for that same bar or they're not. And that doesn't make them a bad person. That doesn't make them not worthy of love that doesn't make them anything less than the human being that they deserve to be but it's okay if there's times where you you raise the bar and that person doesn't yes you there and it's okay it's just like you know what i bless you but i need to go on into a new chapter for myself all right so and let's they need to on. go on to their new chapter yes you're like well. i bless you but get the hell on away from me okay <laughs> go in peace but go go but go <laughs> All right. So now let's move on because I, I got a little bit more time with you. Um, so now you then uh, you did this intimidating Mexican-American diva, Emma, and that role then took you to a whole new level of personal inspection. Right. Because you had to you had to prepare for these things. You had this amazing cast that you had to work with. But then they also tried to, you know, you know, with scene with shows that are hot and sexy there's nudity there's love scenes how did you navigate through all of that and do it gracefully you know what's what's really it's our our bodies have been commodified in such a 
wild way when you think mm-hmm. about it, right? Like it's just a body, like, but yet somehow like boobs and nudity, there's this whole thing, or even um women enjoying themselves, how there's like a very specific way, like we like to see it. And it's it's the male gaze that has been dominating <laughs> Hollywood in so many ways. We're like, how am I sexy for the man? <laughs> this one that she's a girl after my own heart okay go ahead (laughs) but what does it look like for us to feel um empowered for ourselves and what i part of what i loved about the sex scenes in be that at least you know especially in in the beginning was that it was less about revealing skin and more Mm. about revealing emotion and what does Mm. that mean because the truth is even in life when we're sexual with people and everything there is so many ways that we go about it that show what like how we really feel about ourselves it's like i only want to in the dark or i only you know, want it when I've been drinking or whatever that means. And, and I think that there was a really great opportunity just even with the characters to be able to show what that means for us as women, like our value isn't lessened because we show skin, like Mm -hmm. who decided that that was the, the, the thing we we've agreed to that, but I grew up watching a lot of like French films. So it's like, body is just your body and I don't you know why why is a man topless and a woman topless like what is it exactly that creates that difference and and it was a lot of of bringing that into my introspection and 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 also I think part of it even the now behind the scenes I've realized that there's a lot that I really understood um like I'm as an actor I I get very in the moment. And I'm like, whatever it takes to get the scene, let's do it. But what I learned from there, especially when it comes to nudity or sex scenes, is that there's also, I honestly learned the incredible value of an intimacy coordinator, someone who literally just checks in on you. Yes. Even though you're yep. in that moment and mm-hmm. you're like, and you think of it, I, I, I always say sex scenes are kind of like a stunt, right? You're like rehearsing. It's not as sexy as you think it is, even if Oh, trust me, it's not the most. Yeah, yeah, you're like, it's It's a dance. (laughs) It's a dance. It literally is Mm -hmm. a a choreographed dance that you do with a partner. And there's, you know, angles and things that you kind of look cute. uh, Right, right. (laughs) And then, you know, and then it's like, you know, sometimes it's like you want to give into it because it's the story and everything, but you just don't want to do things that are gratuitous just because. You know, that's like, oh, come on. Exactly. Yeah. And that's been an interesting thing for me, right? Because it's like I did nudity and it was very like intense, I guess, graphic nudity. And then now going forward, people think that you're going to do it all the time. Or the strange thing is that people want to talk to you at parties about like things like, oh, your breasts are really beautiful. And it was like, that doesn't give you the right to come up and say to me yeah if you don't back up that that girl (laughs) i'll be like look here because you know for me they i know when a guy might be trying to go a little bit dirty but when he comes up you know i love booty call i'm glad you did okay Uh, now what about (laughs) set it off kill bill to complete that game i mean you know oh man kill bill you're so sad yeah (laughs) all right but you know i'm but i'm glad that it's like you know you're you're mature about it you can you can see 
you know, the pros and cons of it all and, and yeah, how to protect I think, yourself. I think as with anything, it really is just about like, there's a medium to it. Like, does this make sense? What does this character look like? Or does this character act different naked than they do in life or sexually? What, where, where are we exploring that? And you're revealing character. It's not just about revealing skin. And that's the way I look at it. There's times where you look at something, you're like, we don't need to show the nudity for this. And I, I did that in the third season of Eva. There's uh, a moment where Emma, uh, kind of goes back to her old ways after being hurt mm. and she goes and has a threesome Ooh. and well, there was damn. a moment and, and in the script it was scripted as like a you know you see her actually having the threesome but being able to kind of look at it and be like why do we need to show the threesome? Do we, can't we just show the effects of the threesome in the sense that uh-huh. she's Ooh, finishing like up and she's I getting like ready? Uh-huh. Like all we need to know is that she's reverted to her old ways. Yeah. That doesn't mean that we have to show the threesome. This There's scene. nothing. Exactly. Yeah. And, and sometimes more. that, exactly. And sometimes like, I think sex and violence are also very closely linked so sometimes it's like yeah you see the sex and it, it's a medium that's used to tell the story in a way that makes sense but with that specifically I was like no actually this doesn't make sense and I don't really want to do that sex scene and good girl I'll tell you what it took me three seasons to get comfortable enough to say that though but you did and I'd love <laughs> to hear that Now let's talk about your current project that you're working on in Budapest, okay? You're currently shooting The Continental, a prequel story to the Count of Reeves' John Wick films. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that before we have to go. I mean, I could just talk to you all day, girl. (laughs) Yeah, but I want to talk about that and then I want to find out what you got happening next. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of you. You seem to be a strong young woman with a very level head, especially being somewhat kind of new to the business and things have went on a very fast pace for you, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, I always say, um, that YouTube was my mentor. Like I, (laughs) I am so grateful that there are interviews with anybody you could ever want to maybe possibly be your mentor. Cause even now, like, I feel like even this level of my career, I'm like, what do I do next? I have nobody to talk to. I have nobody to tell me, you know, what the pitfalls are of, of this or that. And, and it is, you know, I, I very much so feel very new and an outsider to, to these things. Cause no, when I grew up, nobody around me was doing what I'm doing. And there's still a lot of ways where I'm just like, okay, well now that I want to do all this extra stuff, like, what is, what does that look like? How does it mean? How are you managing a business? It isn't, you know, as a kid, you're like, I just want to be on TV. And then you get on TV and you're just like, oh no, now I I, I want to manage a business. How do you create longevity? How do you create craft a career as opposed to go from job to job? Yeah. Um it's 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 wild. And I think it's why it's so important for us as women, especially women of color, to really talk about things and get to know each other because that's what's gonna give us that step to the next space. And and even with with what I'm doing now. Um, you know, I had taken a few months off. I'd had just a crazy year of life events and as I'm sure like everybody has in the pandemic and, um, and I took some time off for mental health and, 
And then this opportunity came up and, and it's, it's been fantastic. Like I just had no idea what I was signing on to, uh, just it's, it's this, I mean, it's, it's, it's a world, it's a whole world that I'm now out here training every day, running through stuff that I never thought that I would do, uh, which, you know, weapons training and physical activity and all of that stuff, (laughs) stunts, just, it's, it's been wild. I was doing some front flips the other day and I had, I mean, I came from a, you know, a really critically acclaimed TV series. And now I'm like <laughs> out here ass, with AK-47s, like I trying to figure it. out how to make this work, but it's been good. Now, Michelle, um, you know, you, like I said, have had, you've been on the fast track of success, but you had something sad happen um, as well. Um, do you mind sharing that with us? Because that beautiful smile you have, um, when I found this out, I, I was like, wow, this is a strong woman that she's smiling. And um, you had a recent death in the family. Yeah, it's been, um, I think the last year and a half, oh God, we're pushing two years now with this pandemic has been wild with um, grief. And I lost my mom amongst other people. It's been, it's been a big year of loss and um and it is, I would say like that has been the hardest thing I've ever had to to deal with. Um can I ask, did being, your mother pass away from COVID or was no, it COVID related? You know, it's girl, it's complicated. I would say it's it's not she didn't pass away from COVID. And I would say yes, it's COVID related. Okay. And yes, it's systemically related in the sense that. My mom didn't do well uh, with being quarantined alone Mm. uh, for such a long time. And she had uh, rheumatoid arthritis Mm. and we still don't really know what she died from other than I I get it's it's been this big thing where I look at uh, my mom was quarantined being alone, mental health wasn't really a thing that we dealt with in our family. Yeah, as we, I'm sure we a don't. lot of Brown people, families we don't. don't. Yeah. We're just now starting to talk about it. You know what I mean? And I hate when I hear people say, oh, that's just an excuse. It's like, no, you guys, you have no idea how long we just didn't talk about it because we were always the strong ones. We we pushed through it. We don't, nothing's wrong with us. You know what I mean? So it's- and like, that's like- and that's the thing. It's like, wouldn't it be nice to not have to be so strong? Yeah. You know, and we celebrate our, our strength and strong women, but it is sometimes be nice to not have to. And and I think that that was a big thing. Like I, I I really look at like not only what happened, but also the long history of it. My mom was in pain. Mm-hmm. She had rheumatoid arthritis. I think of exactly with what you're saying of the the having to be strong. It was never okay for her to say, I need you. Yeah. Never for okay for her to say, I'm actually in a lot of pain. Mm. So what would happen is she'd go to the emergency room in pain and or the doctor and they would send her home with opioids. Mm. And that's also a 
testament to how horrible our healthcare system can be when you think yeah. of it. Like you, you send this woman home with drugs to take away the pain as opposed to dealing with what is causing the pain. Wow. Um, and by the time, you know, she, uh, she didn't deal with obviously the pain in the mental health. So by the time we kind of realized what was going on, she hadn't reached out in so long and she hadn't been eating in months mm. really, and had been kind of drugging herself to take the pain away. And the only way that she knew how is to, to not bother us. Um, and then by the time we kind of figured out everything was going on, it was too late and her body had given up and it was so it wasn't COVID, but I definitely feel like it was COVID related and also yeah. related to just the issues that we have as a community, I think, and not, and, and in America really, and not letting our women not have to be so strong all the time. How did you get through that? Girl, I'm still sitting right in the middle of it. Um, I want to say the last few weeks have been, I I was told it would be minute to minute and then Mm. hour by hour and then eventually day by day, week by week, month by month. And I think I've finally moved into day by day, like Mm. just in the last few weeks. Um, I've also reflected on the fact that loving each other part of loving is losing you will lose everything that you love and that is the price but also the beauty of it because ideally if we understand with uh, we understand what that means it it may it feels sad but it also can lead us to appreciating the people that we have when we have them um and I think that there's uh yeah, I mean, grief really is a part of love and yes. and love is love can be hard. Right. And that's yeah. what that is. And I think even going back to being strong, um, I would love for there to be a world and a space that we create for ourselves and for each other where you can show up crying, broken. And that not make you any less of a warrior Mm. because it really is, it is our, our power to understand that as much as, you know, like, I think I look at you, right. You have this incredible career and you're saying that even just recently you've learned, yes, you know, certain things and, and self-love. I had to learn self-love. Like I love myself enough to say, you know what? You're not giving me what I deserve and it's okay. I'm going to release you in peace. Yes. And, and, and how powerful that is, right. For us to create that space of, of vulnerability and whether it's me in this space of grief and, and being able to talk to you and bringing you into that space with me, um, that doesn't take away from any strength that I may have and, and, and any room for growth because it's like, yeah, that self-love is, it's, I just, I feel like I spent so much time hearing it and not understanding it. And now for the first time in the last few years, I think I call it, I don't know what this is like, because what a blue period, like this is like my grief period. I don't, it's like sacred, holy ground. I'm learning, yes. learning everything that I can in this moment. And my world is being torn apart. And yet I'm just sitting in it as opposed to running from it, um, which is the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my entire life. But realizing that the only thing I can do is be compassionate for myself in this moment 
and in this space. And I'm going to take that and bring it into everything because it's like, yeah, like all we can do is work on ourselves. And if people want that, cool. And if they don't go, I'm like, I always say (laughs) either say or go, just don't block the door. I love it. Well, that leads us. I hate to end my time with you today. I swear I could talk to you, but that leads us perfectly into today's hustle hack. Today's hustle hack is hashtag self-love. There are so many people that have lost loved ones this year. I mean, with the pandemic, people have literally been dropping left and right. There is an extreme amount of loss and grief. Michelle said, we can't control the river, but we can build a strong boat. When it gets roughed up, repair the boat. Get your butt back out there and get back out there on that water. Share your legacy, your stories, and even your grief. It may help someone make it just one more day. Darlings, never give up. Always remember and come back to love. I want to thank my beautiful guest, Michelle Mybell. Where can folks find you on social media? So I'm at, at Michelle Prada, <laughs> M-I-S-H-E-L-P-R-A-D-A on Instagram and also on Twitter. I love it. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining Hustling with Vivica A. Fox today. So tell your friends and follow your girl at Miss Vivica Fox on Twitter, at Miss V Fox on Instagram, and at Stage 29 Podcast too. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, download to Hustling with Vivica A. Fox and listen wherever you like. Until next time, darlings. Bye for now. This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Patty Chiano, Laferne Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan DeMatty. Callie Kelts is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horinige, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. The Hustling with Vivica A. Fox podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during the podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional.